box, office, refund, box office refund podcast. Hello and welcome to Box Office Refund Podcast. I'm Nico Bell. And I'm Ward. And we review low-rated movies. And decide if their critics were wrong. Ward, how you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you tonight? I'm pretty good. Last time we had a B episode, I really hadn't watched much. There wasn't anything out there intriguing to me. This time, it was like the universe heard my call for good entertainment and then just like spitted out all sorts of awesomeness. So I have lots to say. Well, that's interesting. I would argue that instead of the universe just offering you movies on a silver platter, maybe you need to go out there and grab those movies by the horns. Yeah, I'm good. The Netflix really did me well this time. Plus, I saw some really cool ones, like movies, in the theater, which is so rare. I'm so excited. So I'm pumped. All right. Would you like to say your list? I, I would love for you to go first. You know, so rarely yes! do you need to go first. I think, I think... This is my first time. You know, you've oh, enticed me. You've actually, it sounds like you actually watched something good, so I think you get to go first. Now, this may be the only time. We'll see. Okay. I watched Bonding, which is on Netflix. I'll talk about that. Yeah, that's that family-friendly show. <laughs> yep, everybody can watch it. I watched Cop Car on HBO with Kevin Bacon. I saw us in the theaters like an adult with no responsibilities. It was amazing. I saw <laughs> the Keanu Reeves horror movie Knock Knock. I saw I Think You Should Leave, which is a comedy on Netflix. I saw Special, which is a comedy on Netflix. I saw Holmes and Watson, the movie that people walked out of the theaters with, Will Ferrell's movie. And I saw Escape Room. Did you walk out of the theater on Holmes and Watson with everybody else? <laughs> I was in my house and I watched the whole entire movie without fast forwarding. So there we go. Wow. Which is amazing because you fast forward nearly everything. Pretty much everything. I mean, you watched the Titanic movie in what, like 30 minutes, didn't you? 28 minutes? Done. Boom. Sank to the bottom. All right. What you got? I watched Avengers Endgame, mm. which is basically 21 movies in one movie. It's impressive. <laughs> Uh, Do not spoil anything because people will come after you. Uh, I don't plan to. Yeah, I'm. No, that stuff. You, you get in trouble for that. I don't want to get. I don't want that juju yeah. on me. I watched okay. Dead to Me season one, which is a Netflix original. I watched Serenity, which is wow. I can't wait to talk about that. I watched Destroyer, where Nicole Kidman plays an eighty-year-old woman. I watched Extremely oh. Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Nice little family-type movie. The Predator, The Kid Who Would Be King, Layer Cake. Taking lives. Ooh, interesting choices this time. You got a little dark this time around. Well, yeah, right. just, yeah, it's the way it goes, man. All right. Okay, well, let me talk about bonding. So That's about James about Bond. It's about the 007 movie. Yeah, you should watch franchise. it based solely on that. So this is about a New York City, City graduate student who's moonlighting as a dominatrix. She enlists her gay BFF from high school to be her assistant slash bodyguard. All right. I binged straight through this series. Enjoyed every minute of it. Crazy, lighthearted, but still just ridiculous. It's almost like they're making fun of Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's also a show about empowerment, about femininity, about becoming comfortable with who you are. She, the main character, is a graduate student for becoming a psychiatrist. So it's sort of about 
getting her power. And that's what she does as a dominatrix. She's always in charge. She always has the power. So she is learning about herself, about letting go. And that's where her BFF comes in, who is a who is also trying to really come to terms with his own openness and kind of living his life and trying to be accepted for who he is. It is so much fun, not for the kids. Watch it. Uh, you know, maybe on your phone where you can hide it a little bit from wandering eyes. Wow, it's that that racy, huh? You have to hide it from people? Well, it does have bondage stuff. I mean, there is a man who likes to be peed on, but it's also funny. There's a man who dresses up like a penguin, and all he wants to do is wrestle with another penguin. So he makes this poor BFF dress up like a penguin and then wrestle. That's all he wants to feel connected. It's a movie, or not a movie, it is a show about human connection. In a very funny and unconventional way. So kudos to them. I really enjoyed it. Can you All beat right. that? I don't think so. I believe you I can. Try. I watched Avengers Endgame. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. This movie is difficult to talk about. I really can't talk about anything specifically that happens in the movie because there's just no way not to spoil anything. You know, I will say that it's it's hard not to gauge this with and against the other movies in the franchise because they've all led to this moment. And that in itself, it's just amazing that the franchise is this big and they're able to pull it all together with this one movie. That's a feat and that's cool. This movie is three hours long. It never <sighs> felt very slow. If any part dragged, I'd say it was probably the penultimate battle, which features you know, like nearly all the Marvel characters. There was just, you know, introduction after introduction after introduction. My theater clapped for each one, and it was driving me oh. crazy because there's just so <laughs> many. It, it felt like, you know, 30 minutes of, remember this Marvel character? And then there's this one. And here's this guy. Remember that guy in the <sighs> background? We're going to introduce him, too. And the ba- like before the battle, I thought it had a nice tempo. The battle is just a lot of spectacle. And you know, I will say that they managed to put a lot of characters on screen and make them feel meaningful. Uh, before the battle, I thought the scenes, they were emotional. They were funny. And really, it little stories that tie the whole franchise together. I thought they did a nice job of, you know, like, hey, this really did all lead to this moment. Um, you know, the fact that I wondered if the entire franchise was planning some of these moments when they made movies five years ago, that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Like, I was like, oh, man, did they plan this way back when for this movie? I don't know. I doubt it, but they did a nice job of making that work. I do like Infinity War more, basically because of the high stakes. Um, that said, this movie does have some consequences, but I still like Infinity War better. I just And the reason I like Infinity War more, in superhero movies, you always know, well, the character's coming back. They've got a sequel in a couple years. We know nothing's going to happen <laughs> to them. In Infinity War, half of them die. I was like, that's awesome. And so, I mean, honestly, I would like if it just ended right there. Because I thought it was really cool to do that, to upend the franchise like that. I knew they'd have to undo it in this movie, and I was curious to see how they undid that. Uh, yeah, I thought they did okay with that. Okay. I'm not a huge, I'm, I'm over it. I feel like the Marvel world is saturated. I feel like what started out as some really cool movies has turned into just a big old sucking our money out of our wallets. And I'm just done with it. There's only certain superhero movies that I care to see anymore. And I haven't been to one in quite some, probably since Deadpool 2. Um, that's probably it. Just not interested anymore. I, I would say oh. I'm generally over Marvel, but... I don't know, when, when a movie's this big an event, and the fact that's on Infinity War, I felt obligated to check it out. Did I say what we do in the shadows? It's on my list. I don't know if I said it. You did not say it. But I have to talk about it. Yeah, that's what an amazing movie. It is also a TV show on FX. Movie was awesome. TV show, awesome. Seriously, if you like the movie, you gotta watch the TV show. 
It doesn't have the original characters, but it is produced by that um, Jermaine Clement guy. But it is in the same vein, the same silliness, the same ridiculousness. A documentary crew is following around three vampires. One of the vampires has a familiar, but in a nice, fun little twist, they also have an emotional vampire in this one, who is a daywalker who dresses very much like in sweater vests and a tie. And he sucks people's emotions by just rambling on and on about nonsense. And I feel like that was just such a fun little extra quality to it. Um, So they're all living in Staten Island. They're trying to take over humanity. There's a lot of pressure for them to take over the world. But they basically end up just sticking their foot in their mouths and tumbling over things and just being like, they're just silly, non-threatening vampires. Just like the movie. It's great. I actually saw the first episode. I think it was FXX had the first episode for free. Yeah, it it really, I thought it did a nice job of kind of capturing the movie while going beyond the movie. And the emotional vampire, I just saw the first episode, but I kept wondering, is he really a vampire? Is he just a very boring individual? And I like that I'm not sure after one episode. Well, they have an entire episode where he is sort of the lead and it is amazing it's so much fun and you would answer that question if you saw the episode it's great so i've actually been watching this since the beginning i keep forgetting to talk about it but i really recommend watching it it's so much fun dead to me season one netflix original that came out just a few days ago you get this powerful relationship that blossoms between two women they are both in grief counseling uh you know one her husband died she's very upset the other you know she's had some um you know, issues in her life that's brought her to grief counseling. And the thing is, there's there's a secret between them that one knows, the other doesn't. And I like that the show, they reveal what that secret is in the very first episode, and the rest of the season is kind of dancing around that, leading to that moment where they figure out what links them. Uh, I generally don't watch shows this quickly but this one yeah, it's just quick pace 30 minute episodes i thought it was funny at times it was emotional at times just did a good job with it Very oh cool. and maybe the biggest draw of all is that this stars christina applegate and linda cardellini yes i did see that it is on my list of things to watch very cool all right, have you seen Cop Car? It's on HBO with Kevin Bacon. I don't think so. It is a crime thriller. It's from 2015. It's about two mischievous boys who stumble upon a seemingly abandoned police cruiser and steal it, unaware that its mis- murderous owner, Kevin Bacon, has stashed a hostage in the trunk. Wait, who's the owner? Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon, yes. Oh, he gosh, is the cop. For, for a long time, I thought when you saw, when you said Kevin Bacon, I was picturing, um, oh, King of Queens, whoever that guy is. I don't know. Wow, is that is a whole, yeah. yes, that is a Kevin it, and a whole different vibe. Yeah, okay? I was very whole confused when you're talking about murderous yes, cop car, and I thought, I, that, <laughs> he's playing against type, isn't he? Paul Blart Mall Cop has a hostage. Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> Okay. Now this movie's coming together. Now I got it. Whew, okay. That was that was an emotional okay. ride. I was like, man, that guy's really branching out. He's <laughs> playing against tight, doing something different. <laughs> this movie rated really high. It rated like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people loved it. I enjoyed it. Not necessarily for the reason other people did. People said that it was very dark and twisted and violent. I must be just desensitized. I didn't find it as violent or twisted. What I did love was how realistic the dialogue and characters were. These are two young kids. They're maybe 10 or 11 years old. And they're in over their heads. 
But before they get to that point, they're having like a joyride. They're ru- they're running away from home and all they've brought with them is one beef jerky stick and they find this cop car. They find guns in the back seat. They take the guns out. They're like throwing them back and forth. They're trying to shoot them. They're like pointing them at their faces. Like it's very tense, but it's so you you just you feel that tension because they've done such a good job of making these characters realistic. It's really what would ha- you would think a 10-year-old would do if he was running away from home and he found a bunch of guns in a cop car. And then Kevin Bacon plays a very chilling villain, especially when the end and the climax comes, and it's just all really well done. It's very masterfully done. It's kind of a slow burn, but I think that if you like sort of dark thrillers, this would be a good movie to watch. Where did you see this? This is available to stream somewhere? HBO. HBO. That's right. I have HBO now for however long until I decide to cancel it. Oh, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Cop Car seems pretty cool. I mean, Kevin Bacon, it's hard not to go wrong. I assume he does some dancing, like some Footloose-esque dancing in this movie. Of course. He has a mustache in the movie, if that entices does you Does the mustache the dance at some point in the movie? Yeah, of course. That's exactly what happens. Serenity. This is not the um, one based on the Nathan Fillion TV show. What was that called? Gosh, that's going to bug me. Um, there's a movie based on that TV show. This is not it. This is with Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. It's a very weird movie. It just nobody acts right. Nobody talks right. Well, it, it's a Matthew McConaughey movie, so I mean, he right. doesn't talk right. The Nathan Fillion show was Firefly. The movie is Serenity. Back to Serenity 2019. It's just, like Matthew McConaughey, he's this fishing boat captain. He doesn't care about making money, even though he needs money. He's hunting a tuna fish called Justice. Um, <laughs> wow. And early on, like, you get this some kind of layered story, and I thought, okay, is this is this a memory, or is this somebody's dream? Like, you know there's something going on to where what we're seeing is some kind of figment of the imagination or something to that effect. Um, nothing could prepare me for what this twist is. And the twist, like, like it kind of explains why everything's so dumb and why this movie's so bad. At the same time, it opens up so many additional questions that just cannot be reconciled with what this is. I don't know. Like, I knew what the twist was. Because I thought, well, I'm never going to watch this movie. It looks dumb. I saw the twist. I'm like, well, I've got to see how they implement that twist. Because I don't believe there's any way to do it well. There's not. Uh, objectively bad movie. But that twist, like, the twist is going to draw you like, well, how, how do they do that twist? And the answer is not well. It's, it's something else. I'm trying to find the twist online so that I can read it. Because now I want to know... Oh, oh, oh. Well, that's weird. I mean, and okay. <laughs> they could have just okay. said, oh, it's all a dream, and it would have worked so much better. I, I I don't know. It's like, oh, man, we know this movie's bad. We know it needs a twist, but we can't do the dream. It's been done too many times. we got to, like, twist it up. And that's it just, weird. they just lose it completely. That's a strange, strange thing. All right. Okay. Okay, well, I saw Us in the movie theater, and I'm yeah. very excited that I finally got to see it because it's so good. First of all... <laughs> It is so tense. I wouldn't necessarily say scary, but it was so incredibly tense. I saw it with my husband. I was holding his arm and squeezing pretty much the entire time because you just don't know exactly what's going to happen. The music is so eerie. It's so stylized. Oh my gosh, these actors were impeccable. It was so creepy and disturbing, and it just sticks with you, and I love it so much. And Jordan Peele is a genius, and I'm just so excited to see what he does next. 
Honestly, I know people have already been talking about this movie so much, but if you haven't seen it, find a way to go see it. You will not be disappointed. I I mean, there are certainly some plot issues. And once I really sat down and kind of started dissecting it, I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Or how did they get this? Or, but you know what? Put all that aside. You don't need it. The bigger picture about this doppelgangers, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to give anything away. It is well worth investing the time and money for this one. Yeah, I really wanted to see Us, and I keep forgetting to like figure out when I'm actually going to go see it. So, so worth it. Did you so see? So worth it. What was the one he did before this? He did Get Out. Yeah, did you see incredible. that? Okay. Yes. So more of the same? Yes. No. I wouldn't say more of the same. Like, yes, of course, there is a, like a social justice issue underlining it. I feel like he does an incredible job of it. This one, I think, was more haunting and unsettling. And if you just watched it and were completely ignorant to the social justice aspect of it, it would be an incredible horror movie. I feel like the Get Out one, you can't see it without realizing the bigger message, if that makes any sense. Like it was drilled in from the beginning. This one is a little bit different. It takes you on a little bit of a different roller coaster ride. Oh my gosh. I have to figure out whoever plays the lead character, that lead woman. I think her name is Octavius or something. I don't know. But she was incredible. Oh, Lupita. Oh my gosh. So eerie and creepy. Uh, her voice, it's going to haunt you. So oh, good. yeah, I've heard her voice is really cool. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how she did it, but oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So incredible. Yeah, I don't want to say anything. I just want everybody to go see it and enjoy it. Destroyer. This stars Nicholas Kidman in makeup. That's pretty much, like, they hang a lot on that. And it's not a bad movie. It's interesting. You've got this police detective who's kind of over the hill, and she, a crime caused her to revisit her past when she was undercover with this bank robbery gang. So she's kind of going through her past, reconnecting with these people, trying to solve this murder in the present day. Uh, the camera frequently goes to like close headshots of Nicole Kidman in this makeup that makes her look like she's 70 years old. It just felt like a bit much, where it just. The makeup overshadows everything else in the scene, which is not what you generally want in a movie. You want people to be invested in the story and the plot, not like, how many inches thick is that makeup? With that <laughs> said, I thought the movie's like pretty cool. Like it does a great job of like, well, you know, what's going on? Why is the leader of this gang coming back? What happened in the past when Nicole Kidman was undercover? Like, we know something went down. We slowly get piece by piece of what happens as the thing goes on. And the movie kind of has this weird twist in the end. Like, not like, oh, man, what a bombshell. But just, like, the way they put the timeline together. And I want to have that, well, this seemed unnecessary. Like, it just kind of makes it more complicated than it is when the answer is really simple. And I really think the only reason they did it is that the way they set this up, it makes for a really good opening scene. I think that's why they put this little twist in there. Well, that said, like, it's not, it's, it's neat movie. It's like this slow, unrelenting storm. It's not a lot of big action, but just very kind of methodical, her going through these contacts, figuring out where is this guy. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I just, I just wish they had toned down the makeup. It just, it felt like it should have gotten its own billing. <laughs> okay. I mean, if you've spent time talking about it, then clearly it's noticeable. And that's obviously not, I'm sure not where the director wanted your attention to be. Yeah. It's like, yeah. like, great. Put her in makeup. Sure. But yeah, let's tone it down a little bit. We don't want that to be its own focus. Sure. That makes sense. All right. I saw Knock Knock. And the reason I watched this movie is because it has Keanu Reeves and Anna de Armas. Do you remember where yeah. we last saw? She's yes. in that other Keanu Reeves movie. Yes. I can't remember what happened. He was a detective. Uh, there exposed were angels. Or, yeah, exposed. Yeah. Aliens, angels. I don't know. 
But the reason I watched this was because they were in it together again. And they're actually in scenes for the whole movie, basically, together. Okay, this is... Wait, which, did this come first? This came in 2015. The other one, I believe, came after. Uh, so, it's like, kind of was like, hey, I've been with her in a movie. I do not want any scenes with her. <laughs> let me... <laughs> let me see. Uh, Exposed Keanu Reeves was... In 2016. You know what, though? I bet they shot around the same time. I they bet pro- like they probably her. were the same movie. Like, hey, I think we got two movies here. Let's split them out. What I imagine is, is he like cast her in the 2016 one. Um, probably because she's just super like cute and she did a pretty good job in this one. Like, she's not bad. So the idea behind this movie is that two stranded women and they're basically young ladies, reveal a sinister agenda after they spend the night with a married architect who is played by Keanu Reeves. So Keanu Reeves has the house to himself. He's married and has kids, and they've gone away for the weekend. And then these two women have, um, they knock on his door. They say they're trying to get to a party. It's raining outside. Their cab dropped them off and left. They're at the wrong house. Can they come in, borrow his phone, because their phone is wet and they can't use theirs? So he invites them in, and then one thing happens after another. They ask, can we put our clothes in your dryer? And he's like, sure, nothing wrong with that. And then they were like, (laughs) and then um, they start talking about his wife and about their kids, and they start talking about threesomes, and they ask if he's ever had a threesome, and then they ask if they can use the restroom, and then they're taking bubble baths, and then they're all having sex. Okay. Wow, that took a few leaps there. (laughs) And then it becomes sinister. Now, the problem with this movie is that the the reason that they are blackmailing Keanu Reeves, you find out later that it's, it's not a valid reason. There's no point to it. And when we find out what is, I'm guessing, supposed to be this big, great twist, it is extremely disappointing, and it takes away any reason that these girls are doing what they're doing to him they they have stalked him they have chosen him to ruin his life to sleep with him and expose him as an adulterer but we have no reason for it like never reason or they why they initially select him then we don't know they're basically saying that all men are cheaters that eventually they're going Uh, to cheat so he just won the random lottery for this yes and that's, oh, wow. that's the problem right there. Because one, they throw themselves at him and they basically end up like going down on him and doing all this sexual stuff to him. And that's what leads to him having the affair. And then the revenge stuff happens and they get very physical and violent with the revenge stuff. And they have come up with a reason for why they're doing it. And why Nicholas, or I'm sorry, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> he would have been great in this movie too. But why Keanu Reeves can't call the cops. And when we find out that that's not true, that they've lied, the only reason they're there is to trap a man into having an affair and then ruining his life. And at first, it reminded me kind of of like a hard candy vibe, you know, like how, like a revenge, but it fell flat because they truly have no reason. We have no reason why they're doing this to men. We don't know if they've been cheated on, if their mothers have been cheated on. We have no backstory. And it was disappointing in that because it's an Eli Roth film. I had high hopes for it. You know, I love Keanu Reeves. This Anna de Armas did a great job. And there was just no motivation at the end. And it was disappointing. So they ruined this guy's life for fun, I guess. Wow, that seems pretty harsh. 
Yeah, it seemed pretty harsh. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. The untold story of Big Bird. <laughs> oh my gosh. That doesn't I'm just sound good at all. <laughs> so this is the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron and Lily Collins. And so it's kind of told from the point of view of Lily Collins and that you know she believes he's innocent. Um, and it, it really it doesn't get into any of the murders. It just kind of like he disappears. And he's like, oh, you know, I study at law school. You know, I'm in law school, all this stuff. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting take because it really focuses on how charismatic he is and how normal-seeming Ted Bundy, I mean, at least according to this movie, how normal he seemed to be. And then it just, you know, even in this movie, he refuses to admit he's guilty at all. He won't take any plea deals. And so it just kind of tears Lily Collins up because she increasingly thinks, well, maybe he did do it, even though he's saying he didn't. She just kind of feels some unease around him and about him, even though he's like nothing but nice to her. So it's just an interesting take on this whole Ted Bundy mythos. Hmm. All right. Okay. I think you should leave. It is a Netflix comedy starring Tim Robinson. And it's a kind of like sketch comedy back to back and back. And the general theme that sort of runs through most of them is a guy who gets in over his head and refuses to acknowledge it and keeps going further and further down that rabbit hole. So they're hilarious little skits. Each show is only like 20 minutes long. You know, you could seriously sit and binge this in no time at all. I highly recommend. So for example, like one of the skits is he's at a coffee shop and he's having a job interview and everything is going perfectly well. They shake hands, he goes to leave and he pushes the door when it should be pulled open. And he is embarrassed by this. And his new potential boss is like, oh, Looks like you pushed instead of pulled. And he's like, no, it's definitely a push. And he doesn't back down from it. And he pushes the door so hard that he breaks it off of his hinges. And it goes falling down and he walks out. So that's sort of what you're going to get. A lot of people over their heads, doubling down and into it. And it's a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, if you just want to veg out, this is a good one for you. And Tim Robinson's is really funny. He did, like, I think, like, one season on SNL. And, you know, you could hear him on Comedy Bang Bang. So he's he's pretty good. It sounds like a lot of fun. I, th- I saw it came out. I was going to check it out. I just haven't gotten to it yet. But I may yeah. do that sooner rather than later. I would recommend it. The Predator. This is another movie in the Predator franchise. You know, the Predators are coming back to Earth because for some reason they just can't leave Earth alone. <laughs> And, of course, it's a sequel, so the Predators are bigger and badder and meaner and cooler. Uh, You know, not a bad movie. I mean, a lot of kind of fun action. You've got this group of soldiers that are kind of the misfits that are not necessarily tasked with saving the day, but they take it upon themselves to save the day. Uh, Sterling K. Brown is in this as, you know, some kind of, like, captain who's trying to track aliens and use their technology. He's great in this. He's just a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. You can tell he's having a great time. Uh, You know, it's pretty much what you'd expect from a modern-day Predator movie. There's there's a small Predator, there's a big one that kills him, and then we get into the plot of the movie. Oh, wow. It's Predator. Okay, pretty straightforward. Okay, I watched Special on Netflix. Special is a series... By actor-writer Ryan O'Connell stars in a semi-autographical series based on his memoir. He plays Ryan, a gay man with cerebral palsy, who decides to do away with his identity as an accident victim and go after the life that he wants. After years of dead-end internships, blogging in his pajamas, and mainly communicating through text, Ryan figures out how to take his life from bleak to cheek as he gets ready to start limping toward adulthood. Really, that says it all. But it's very sweet... It's really funny. Uh, They did some great casting with it. 
And I just, I think, I love that they're doing more and more diverse and inclusive shows on Netflix. They're doing a really good job of that. And I think this one's really great about finding Mm. yourself and being comfortable with who you are and in your own skin and also navigating through adulthood, just getting out there on your own, getting your own place, getting that first really big job, making friends. Yeah, it's really great. Awesome. The Kid Who Would Be King. This is the 2019 version, another iteration of the King Arthur story, this time with a kid. And I don't know, like, I would say, oh, from my vantage point, this movie, it's just okay. Like, it does some things well. It has some neat takes on things. It's, you know, as modern as you can make it and fit it into the world. But, man, from a kid's standpoint, I have to manage if I saw this as a kid and I hadn't seen a bunch of movies just like it. Like, I'd completely buy into the fantasy and the wanting to be a hero and the sort. Like, it just... From a kid's viewpoint, I've got to imagine that they'd have a lot of fun with this if they'd sure. not seen a dozen King Arthur stories already. But man, it's just it's it's really neat and what it does, it does well. And you know, like the final battle is a bunch of kids in their school as a fortress, which I always learned about that as a kid. So yeah, it's a really neat movie. I thought it does a lot of things really well, despite the fact we've seen King Arthur a bunch of times. I will say out of the King Arthur reiterations that we've seen in the past few years easily the best. Wow, that's impressive. Oh boy. We've gotten to Holmes and Watson. All right, this movie got 11% on Rotten Tomatoes at 3.7 on IMDb. Oh, yeah. And people actually walked out of it at movie theaters. So... Well, did, were you, did you watch this voluntarily, or did, did two young women creep in your house, tie you up, and force you to watch this? <laughs> no, no. I watched this uh, voluntarily. I was very curious about it. And then, you know, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, you know, obviously they've done great stuff, Okay. This is not their best work. And I I feel like the flaw, well, there's many flaws, is that they tried to make a Sherlock Holmes movie into a comedy. And that's not their fault. This is just not a good concept. Sherlock Holmes shouldn't be funny. He is an arrogant genius. He should not be doing stupid bathroom humor jokes. He shouldn't be making mistakes or fumbling around. That's not who he is as as a character. Um, and this is just terrible. It had a musical number in the middle of it, just to give you a hint on how bad this is. They stop and sing a song. The best part of this movie was a cameo by um, Braun Strowman, who is a WWE wrestler. That was my best moment when Braun Strowman came up and fought John C. Riley, And that's it. That was the only good moment. I wouldn't have gotten up and walked out of a theater. I have never in my life walked out of a movie before i don't think i would have started with this one but i definitely don't think anybody should watch it ever (laughs) you're not missing anything by by passing on this one it is not so good it's or not so bad it's good it's it's not worth it it's just real low lowbrow comedy ridiculous not worth it i assume will ferrell is sherlock holmes yes will ferrell is sherlock holmes yes so based based on nothing other than I'm looking at the poster right now, <laughs> is just trying to do like a Pink Panther type thing with Sherlock Holmes? Even worse. Even worse. Even wow. less. I mean, the jokes are so shallow. Like John C. Riley bends over and Will Ferrell like is behind him. Like this is what we're going for, guys. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So it's it's just... I don't even think that this would be good if the dialogue had been better. You just can't make Sherlock Holmes into a comedy to begin with, even with these two awesome actors. It just failed on all accounts. You're so. telling me a Will Ferrell movie has shallow jokes. How uh, the no. mighty have fallen. 
Okay. All right, Sassy. <laughs> I, I, just, I can't believe it. You know, he's always been revel, revi- you know, reviled. I don't know what the word is. He's well, been look, like stepbrothers. for his nuanced jokes. Listen, stepbrothers was a fun movie, okay? It was fun. People have told me that. I've never seen it. Oh, my gosh. It's one of my favorite Will Ferrells. This one was PG-13, and I feel like they were playing it for a nine-year-old boy. Like, that's the audience that was for this movie. So. Have you seen Talladega Nights? Yeah, I love that movie. That was a great How movie. How does that compare to Step Brothers? Because I love Talladega Nights. That is probably my mm. only likable Will Ferrell movie. I Maybe I do it higher than Step Brothers. Um, All right. Yeah, I love That was a really good one, too. So this one, terrible. Don't see it. Don't waste your time or money. I mean, you know, Ferrell probably thought, if I can make NASCAR funny, what can't I make funny? Well, and the answer is, seems Sherlock to be Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. He cannot make Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Layer Cake. This is all the way back in 2004. It stars Daniel Craig before he was James Bond. In this, he's a drug dealer, which arguably he does best, I would say. This just, it's a fun, slick movie where he's low level. He gets roped into doing a job for a high up mobster. And yeah, the guy's high up mobster. You can't say, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that. High up mobster asks you to do something. No matter what it is, you say yes. And you figure out how to get out of it. That's what Daniel Craig's up against. I, I thought it was just really cool. And he's like, from the very beginning, he has a plan about why he's drug dealing, how long he's going to drug deal. And like, he has like this pretty crazy arc, how he manages to do what he needs to do and not get killed. And I, you know, like he stuck to his plan even at the end. I thought it was really neat how this went. It's just fun movie. I think it's directed by Matthew Vaughn, who's done a few other different things. Just fun, you know, very English kind of movie because it is an English movie. Very enjoyable. I saw that back in the day and I liked it. I don't remember it, but I enjoyed it. I know that. Okay. The last one I saw was Escape Room. Now, have you, first of all, have you ever done an escape room in real life? Um, no, but I will be doing one in two weeks. Awesome. I have done um, a couple now. And when I first heard that escape rooms were coming out, I was like, this is really creepy. You're in a room. There's cameras. You can't get out. That's like a horror movie. And sure enough, they make this into a horror movie because it's a good concept. I liked this movie way more than I thought that I was going to like it. I was totally invested in it. I didn't want it to end. I thought it was a pretty decent kind of a niche horror movie. It's six adventurous strangers travel to a mysterious building to experience the escape room, a game where players compete to solve a series of puzzles to win $10,000. And each character, of course, there's um, there's some stereotypes, you know. One is no. super... No, I know, in a like horror this. movie, who would thought? But they well, all... I have a question. Weren't they tipped off when Pinhead was their guide through the escape room? <laughs> Did that not tip them off? No, they surprisingly, they kept going. But they all have something that connects all of them together, a reason that they were all selected to go to the escape room. And each escape room, I thought, was actually pretty intriguing. And it connects to their own dark secrets and their own sins that they've done, their own guilt. And um, it's really kind of a race to the end. The ending, so let me just say they are going to make an escape room too. So that just gives you an idea. There are some loose ends at the end of it. But I, I mean, I was like on the edge of my seat, totally engaged. It's not overly scary. It's not like overly gory or anything. It does have its moments. But overall, like for a horror movie, for this specific type of horror movie, I thought it was decently well done. I would recommend it to anybody who enjoys, I don't know, 
know what exactly to call this type of horror movie, but I think people know. <laughs> if you enjoy I, this. You my question do. on the horror movie front, is this a horror movie and there's like somebody attacking them or just it's very tense as they're trying to escape? Is there, is there like a villain or monster in this or can you answer No, that? each, no, there's no, um, no like villain or monster attacking them. The rooms will start to collapse, you know, walls collapse, fire, stuff like that. They have to get out of the room within a certain amount of time. Have you seen the movie The Cube? Yeah, I was going to ask you, this sounds like a watered-down version of The Cube. Yeah, uh, okay, well, um, I don't know if it's watered-down version of The it Cube. It sounds like it. You described it as such. That's wow. on you, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have seen The Cube, and I did enjoy it very much. It's like The, the Cube's cu- awesome. It, I mean, yeah, it's it's great. If you like The Cube, I think you'll enjoy this one. But not as much. Probably. There's just There's no way I'd like this more than The Cube. No, I'll say that right now, knowing nothing about it. You probably won't enjoy it as much as that. But I still Called think it. that it's it's a good... It's good for what it is. It's better than I expected it for what it is. It's good for what it is? That's a terrible recommendation. No, because there are some movies out there that are horror movies that are just awful. And you're like, well, this was this isn't what I expected. This was stupid. But this so it's one, not a flaming polyphesis. No, that's your recommendation. Okay, it's not. I thought that it, that it had a little bit of an interesting connection between everybody there. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the next sequel. All right. Well, I would just say for my movie, I clearly have not done it justice as you're tearing apart my words. But I do think it is enjoyable and should be watched. No, I thought it was a good review. You said you should just watch The Cube instead, and I agree with that. It's not as good, but it's definitely within that same subgenre of horror, and I think you'll enjoy it. All right, I believe this is our last one for the day. Taking Lives, 2004. The powers of Ethan Hawke and Angelina Jolie combine in an uninspiring, painfully predictable thriller. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's a movie where... Like, in the second scene, I'm like, huh, I bet that's the twist. Well, no, that's way too obvious. There's no way they make the twist that obvious. And they throw in these, like, little diversions to make you think, oh, well, obviously the obvious twist isn't the obvious twist, but the diversions are so feeble, you're like, well, that's obviously a diversion. We obviously know the twist. And, it, it like, the twist completely happens. It's just, it's there's nothing to this. Um, I will say, the only saving grace is the very last scene. It's actually pretty good because it's just, it's, if you think about it for more than 10 seconds, it's like, well, that's really bonkers way to do this. But it's a heck of a twist that it's wild. The last scene's wild. I would say go to Wikipedia. They probably have a write-up on it. I just read about it real quick, so you don't have to watch this for an hour and a half. I watched it back in the day. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it's, it was terrible. It's forgettable. Very forgettable. And, like, Perfect. it does the whole thing where Angelina Jolie's this hotshot FBI profiler, and, you know, we first see her, she's lying in a grave to get a different perspective uh, on the death. You know, like, it's that kind of, like, trophy uh, stuff we saw in the 90s and early 2000s that, uh, thankfully, we don't see as much anymore. Got it. All right. Well, that wraps up what we've been watching this week. Ward, where can people find you if they want to find you and you want people to find you on the internet. Oh, I don't know if I want people to find me, but I have this nifty little blog called withwoodworks.blogspot.com. And yeah, I post about my projects, things I've done. It's mainly for me. I don't really care if people go or not. I do it for me. It's basically my online journal. I might call it my journal or live journal. I'm still thinking about that one. Also on Instagram, withwoodworks. You know, I've got another podcast. It's Fridays on the Fly. I really, I really can't in good conscience recommend it to anybody. Um... I don't listen to it. Even if I didn't make it, I wouldn't listen to it. Wow. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. 
Well, listen, guys, we have merchandise. I don't know if anybody out there... Actually, that's not true. People have bought our merchandise. They, and they bought, love it. They, they love, love it. it. They have bought our team Graboid, for example, as one of our best-selling merchandises out there. We don't just have merchandise with box office refund on it, although you can certainly find it. We watch movies, and then we come up with awesome shirts based on the movies we watch. Actually, listen, 90% of it is Ward coming up with it because he's way more artistic than I am in that regard. So why don't you go on there and support us and go on Public? You can search box office refund and check out all the cool stuff and then pressure Ward to make more shirts. Yeah, do we we have any new shirts coming out? You know what? As soon as you get on that, we will have new shirts coming out. (laughs) I keep meaning to get on that. I know. You know, I think Between Worlds, if any movie could generate a t-shirt idea, it should be that one. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we will be back next week. Goodbye. Box. Office. Refund. Box Office Refund Podcast.